two, one. Welcome in. It's the Husker Extra podcast. I'm Parker. There's Sipple. As you can tell, we're down a man. Chris Baznet, paternity leave. He'll be back at some point. Yeah, big congrats to Mr. and Mrs. Baz. Yes, absolutely. And, cool. and Palmer? Yeah, and Palmer. Little Palmer. Welcome to the world, Palmer. Welcome to the world. I can only imagine that Palmer will gain infinite wisdom, not only from his father, more likely from his mom, but uh, also from the Husker Extra podcast. Yes, if, he, if he, Palmer, if you need any tips on just how to push forward in your young life, feel free. Feel free. Feel free. Yep. Uh, it's 2021, Simple, and the Husker Extra yeah. podcast lives. How about that? Yeah, this is our first podcast of 2021. It is. It's our first podcast the, in a couple weeks. Yeah, that alone makes it monumental. The season, football season ended and our regularity went completely out the window immediately. It's amazing what, what kind of structure. I think that this probably pertains, this is really apropos of not much, but I'm sure it pertains to players and coaches, certainly pertains to us. It's amazing how much um, structure the season gives your day-to-day work life when you, well, you're just your life in general, I guess, when you, it, it, when you it, are it's around a, it a lot. Right. And you probably handle the end of the season better than I do. When the lack of structure disappears, my lack of structure completely goes awry. Oh, mine. Yeah. It, it takes over for me too, to some degree. The But the interesting thing is even the end of the season lacked structure this year because we didn't know if they were going to play in a bowl game or what. And so even that was sort of like, I guess it's just sort of weird and it's over. And what do we do now? Yeah. There's a lot of people in that lack of structure boat, I'm sure. Yeah, there are. And, you know, to be honest, maybe this is where we can start today. You know, one of the groups that has a lot less structure than normal is the senior class. Those guys, instead of just, having their eligibility expire, they each have the option of whether uh, they're going to come back to Nebraska or not. Among the seniors uh, for the Nebraska's football program, a quick rundown, and then we can sort of get into uh, maybe some prognosticating or just thinking about, you know, what the next few weeks look like on that front. Uh, We know JoJo Doman is coming back, and we know uh, among seniors that Bo Wilson is not uh, the offensive lineman. We know that Jack Stoll is not, uh, and we know that uh, DiCaprio Boodle is not. Um, am I missing someone in that group? Cam Taylor Britt was another big announcement. Obviously, he's a junior. Um, and so, yeah, there's been a couple of walk-ons that have, you know, said they're they're going to transfer. Um, but among scholarship guys, I think that's I think that's where we're at at this point, right? Yes, that's. I think you've covered them all. So that leaves. Uh, four guys on defense and two on offense left to decide. We've got Matt Farniak and Diedrich Mills, the running back on offense. And then on defense, we've got uh, Ben Stilley, Will Honus, and the two safeties, Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams. Right. And I, I don't know. To, it is right now 421 on Friday afternoon. 421 on Friday afternoon. And we don't know exactly what what Diedrich Mills, for instance, is going to do. But I think we're, I I would say um, that I'm a hard lean against him coming. I don't think, 
I'm a hard lean in thinking he won't come back. Um, yeah. And that's just not based on nothing. I mean, it's, we talk to people. Um, right. I don't think you'll see Diedrich Mills come back. I don't think you'll see Matt Farniak come back. Um, I do think you're going to get several defenders back in that crowd that you mentioned, several, yeah. more than two. Yeah, more which would two. be two. Yeah, which it's it's interesting. I mean, that that obviously, you know, I think in the last, what's been the last week or so that both uh, Doman and Taylor Britt have announced they're coming back defensively. That, that's that's obviously important for, for Eric Janander and for the defensive unit. I mean, Taylor Britt and Doman obviously are two of the, the best players, not only on the defense, but probably on the roster at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, you know, the guys that are still in the mix that you think there's at least a chance could come back uh, with Stilly, Honus, and, and the two safeties. I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about with, with Dismuke, Williams, and Honus. I mean, you're talking about three of the maybe five or six top tacklers on the team. And mm-hmm. Doman was also in that conversation too. I mean, Doman was the leading, leading tackler. And then I think, uh, I think Will Honus was next, just one behind maybe. So you're talking about a lot of production, a lot of snaps um, that's sort of in the mix to come back. Obviously with those four guys, we don't know that for sure at this point, but what would it mean? Let's say, let's say sort of to your number, um, you know, let's say the two front seven guys, Stilly and Honus ended up coming back. And then even one of the two safeties, I mean, you would start at that point thinking about setting the bar pretty high for this defense in 2021, wouldn't you? Right. They were, the, I think they're, they ended the season ranked 52nd in total defense. So, you know, you, you say they were a top 50 defense to end the season. Then I, I think going into next season, the expectation should be, they should be a top 30 to 35 defense. And if they're making the sort of progress that you think on that, side of the ball, that's where they should be. And, and that's probably a light expectation. I mean, if I were Chenander, my thinking would be, we should be guys with everything we have back and the experience we have back, we should be a top 25 defense. I think. Yeah. I, I don't want to overdo it. I mean, it wasn't like they were dominating. They're 52nd. Yeah, no, um, I, I hear what you're saying. But that's a lot of – but, you know, it's and part of it too is you're not just – Okay, there's two parts of this equation, and and one sort of tugs in each direction, I guess, in my mind. On the high expectations front, you've got the not only in this scenario that we're sort of just exploring right now, that not only do you have a lot of production back in those guys, but start thinking about the, the position groups. On the defensive line, you'd have every major contributor back. Um, Keem Green is in the portal. He didn't oh, yeah. very much at all. Uh, this year. And other than that, all those guys, at least at this point, you never know what happens over the rest of the offseason, but the, your main guys are would all be back on that front. At inside linebacker, you'd have to replace Colin Miller, who, as we know, is medically retiring. Um, but some of the best that Nebraska played at inside, Colin Miller, don't get me wrong. I mean, he was a big addition to the defense. He was a captain. Um, Eric Chenander and Scott Frost called him the soul of the defense. Um, but that inside linebacker group played well down the stretch with Honus and Reimer, and then some Nick Henrich um, mixed in um, in the last week or two of the season. Um, so you've just got Jesus. Got, yeah. Keep you know, going. And then, Keep going. And, and then in the secondary, if you're talking about both Dismuke and Williams back, you've got to replace a full-time player in DiCaprio Boodle. But if there's a position like Nebraska is not extremely deep at corner, 
Um, but they have guys that they feel like are starting caliber players that haven't stepped into those roles yet. I mean, I thought the two times that, that um, Cam Taylor Britt was ejected this past year, I mean, there was no time where you're like, oh man, they're really struggling with Quinton Newsom out there. You barely even recognize he was on the field. That's typically a pretty good sign if you're a corner. Um, Absolutely. And then you've got Braxton, Braxton Clark, Clark. Yeah. yeah, who was who was probably going to push for playing time this year. Um, he's six four, coming back off a shoulder injury that happened, sort of like a freak thing that happened uh, during October. Camp, yeah, just the whole year. Yeah, it happened in the. I think it was October tenth. Does that sound right? I, that's a level of detail that I hadn't. Considered. Well, when the, what their first game was. The 24th. 24th, and it happened in what we called camp. I think it was October 10th. Yes. That, okay. I believe you. Um, so anyway, I mean, so at that point, you know, you're talking about and, and maybe the biggest question mark on the defense this past year was an outside linebacker. You saw signs of progress from guys like Caleb Tanner and, and Garrett Nelson. Um, and then you get Jojo Doman, who was the only full-time player in that group back for another year. You're just talking about a wealth of experience on the defense. If out of those four guys that still have yet to announce decisions, you get all four back for sure. And, and, and even if you get two or three back, I mean, you're really talking about what's going to be an experienced defense. Now, the thing that tugs the other way at that is other teams in the big 10 might be more experienced than they've been in recent years too. Yeah. Because yeah. other teams have old guys coming back too. So it's not like Nebraska is getting all this experience back and nobody else is. Other teams will too, and, and it'll just be about who gets better quicker, like it always does. But I, I think with Nebraska, where Nebraska's at and where the defense finished this year, if they were to get several of those guys back, like you said, Sip, I'm, you'd have to like where they stand at this point. Yeah, they played pretty good down the stretch. I mean, they had a good game against Rutgers. Um against Minnesota, not great. They, they played fine. They, they, like Frost would say, they played well enough to win that game. Yeah. Purdue, I thought they played well. Iowa, they played well. You know, it's just that Illinois game where they're terrible. But by and large, the defense played well enough for them to win, to have a good season. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, that the, you know, what, what's the conversation now, Parker? It's that the defense is ahead of the offense. We just, it's hard to say how far. Well, it's right. not that hard to say. The offense, I don't know what the offense finished ranked nationally. Oh, that's a good question. You want to so check uh, that out. You check want yards out. per play or yards per game? Yeah. I, like I think you could go. Play. Yeah. Yards per play would be good. All right. Let's, let's take a look. You can keep talking. I know you might not be familiar with how. So here's the, no, <laughs> here's the deal. What we all agree now, I think the fan base, media, whatever, the defense is ahead of the offense. The question is how far. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what, let's face it. In a sense, Frost needs to close the gap on that discussion this year, because if he does, that'll determine probably um, what type of season they can have. Uh, Nebraska 72nd nationally in yards per play and 101st nationally in scoring. So 101st nationally in scoring is they got to, I mean, they, they get, obviously got to get a lot better there. And we're now we're, I'm, 
proceeding as if they won't have mills, right. which is it's that's significant. Um, yeah, because a lot of us thought going into the season that that was your key player on offense. It didn't turn out that way in part because he got hurt, but in part because it, I don't think they used him like they should. Um, so that's just another, that's just a, that's a, that's an opinion and it's debatable, but I didn't think they should, I didn't think they used him like they should. It's, it's interesting because you wouldn't say that he was a central cop, you know, you wouldn't, like you say, you wouldn't necessarily say that he was the most important player on the offense, but you could go into this off season making that argument again about next year, because even though he didn't have the kind of final season that you maybe would have expected, neither did any of the young running backs. So that doesn't categorically rule any of those guys out from being productive players over the course of their career. But if you were to draw up a list of the scholarship backs on the roster and right now, if we're taking Mills out of the equation, you have uh, Ramir Johnson, Ronald Tompkins, um, uh, Marvin Scott, Savion Morrison, and then uh, Gabe Irvin arriving on campus in January. Like none of those guys have proven that they can be a down in and down out every down back. Now, Nebraska didn't really even use Mills very often in that role in 2020. But they've said over and over again that they want a guy who can be an every down back. But we have not seen evidence that any of those guys are that at this point on a Big Ten football team. Now, there yeah. could be, it doesn't mean they can't be, but we just haven't seen it to this point. Yeah, it looks like a committee right now. And I, I don't, again, I don't think that's what they want necessarily. Um, that's why this, we keep, I mean, we keep talking about this Diedrich Mills decision because he, he does look like a guy. Well, come on. They, they they said before the season, Ryan Held said he was your, he's our bell cow back. Yep. Um, they didn't really use him like a bell cow, again, in part because he was hurt. But Parker, okay, so what – okay, we, we have this conversation, and, you know, he wasn't the bell cow back because of injury situ- – mainly because he was hurt in the, per- the Penn State game in the first series, missed the rest of that game, and then the next two. So he was out three of the games. The game that stands out, though, is the one you scratch your head on as it applies to Diedrich, was the Minnesota game. When they played a defense that ranked last in the Big Ten defending the run, and he carried 12 times, and I believe went 13 plays between carries at one point. Yeah. Which, you know, we – I don't like to question play calling because there's a lot that goes into play calling that you just don't know from your – vantage point in the press box with a sandwich half a sandwich in your mouth but the sometimes literally half a sandwich (laughs) but but anyway he frost when you thought he would run the ball he he threw the ball against minnesota a lot and it was perplexing with a healthy Diedrich mills yeah it's interesting though because i i 100 i agree with you but these the difference in the way that Diedrich Mills looked against Rutgers compared to what he looked like any time before that uh, was surprising to me. I mean, didn't you think he looked, I thought he looked substantially more healthy against Rutgers than he did at any other point 
Um, and maybe he, maybe it just was he he was geared up. He knew it was the last one of the year or whatever. But I just thought he had more burst in that game than he runs hard all the time. But I thought he was sharper by quite a bit against Rutgers than than he was uh, before. That. Yeah. As oh, I think so. I, I think so. I think against Minnesota, there was a couple runs he looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but oh, it yeah. looked like they were they were would have been able to do some damage in that game. Yeah. So that's that. Um, we are, I mean, we're just sort of waiting for decisions by those seniors and it's significant. These are significant stories coming. So um, keep hitting huskerextra.com. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it's right. interesting that, that that makes the beginning of this off that, that conversation in and of itself makes this the beginning of this off season different from really any in the past. I mean, there are yeah. programs out there, you know, at, a, at the end of the year, Ohio State and Alabama, they're wondering about a dozen guys if they're going to turn pro, underclassmen, they're going to turn pro or come back or whatever. And so that hasn't obviously been the case at Nebraska um, for the past few years. There's been key decisions with underclassmen here and there. And Cam Taylor-Britt was certainly, you know, one of them this year. Um, but that's sort of like, it's sort of step one for the offseason, but it makes a big difference too, because at least to my mind, I mean, I don't know, Scott Frost might tell you different, but to my mind, what Nebraska does in terms of recruiting in the transfer portal could change a lot depending on, you know, if Diedrich Mills comes back or doesn't he. And if you get one, two, or zero back between Dismuke and, and Deontay Williams, um, you know, I mean, I, I would think that if, if Mills leaves it, that running back would be maybe priority number one uh, in the transfer portal. But if he's back, like you really probably don't need one at all. And so you can make this, I think if both safeties were to leave, you would want the defensive back out of the portal. And if both come back, you probably you don't need one. So it really, and there are kids in the portal who are committing to schools today, yesterday, okay, okay. next week. So it's sort of like Nebraska may know more than we do about where those players stand and you can recruit even if you don't know for sure if a guy's coming back or not, but those are, those things are happening um, concurrently, right? Like the, both of those conversations, what do our recruiting needs look like for our last four spots in the 2021 class? How many of them do we want to use in the portal? Are we positioning target targeted positions or just best player available. All of that stuff is sort of happening, you know, right now. Couldn't, um, couldn't no you way. recruit a running back though? With, even if you didn't know about Diedrich, just recruit him and it doesn't, it doesn't affect your scholarship count. Right. Right. No, no, no. Not unless a kid were to show up on camp. You know, I mean, I think right now a lot of, it's interesting. You're seeing a rush sort of on the portal right now in terms of kids committing or finding places. And a lot of that's because if you're, a, if you're, a, if you're a graduate transfer um, and you can leave right now, then you can be on campus for spring semester and go through spring ball and all of that. I mean, that one wave of transfers, that will be their situation. You know, that they Chris Kalarovec, the linebacker from Northern Iowa, who committed to Nebraska a few weeks ago, um, he he graduated last month from Northern Iowa, so he'll be on campus in two weeks, along with those those uh, mid year 
uh, freshman enrollees. So certainly like the next couple of weeks, if you were to get a guy who was available right away and was coming to campus, there'd be some benefit in that because they could go through winter conditioning and be here for, you know, eight months before the season starts. But, but besides that, which is always a conversation recruiting. Yeah. I mean, you could recruit, there'll be more guys going in the portal um, in a month and after spring ball and all of that. And so, you know, if you really need a running back or a safety or whatever, um, there are going to be options pretty much every day between now and kickoff against Illinois. So, yeah, you know, it's crazy, it's crazy how many players there are. <clears throat> the other thing people are going to wonder is about staff changes, mm-hmm. uh, whether there'll be any, what, what, what they might look like. And now it's 438 um, and there's nothing today. 17 but, minutes later and nothing's happened. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't, I think you would say it, you would agree with me that you were not, we're not, we would not rule out anything. Don't you, um, I don't necessarily mean this in, in terms of like staff changes right now, but like as a reporter, isn't it sort of like ingrained in your mind when 4.30 on a Friday hits like, hmm, <laughs> it's Maybe news dump time. time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I can see that you're looking at your computer. Um, uh, we don't, but we don't know of anything that's coming. Now I would say that, given what you said about the offense's rank 102nd in scoring offense and what we know about the offense and its, its struggles and how it's continued to sort of <clears throat> decline in, in the last few years, I would not be surprised if Scott made some sort of changes or change on offense. Yeah. You almost, you almost, uh, I mean, I mean, it would certainly make sense, it, and I'm not calling for changes, but I, I mean, when 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 you're underperforming in certain areas, any manager of anything, if if there's an entity that's underperforming, you know, some managers are pretty aggressive about saying we can't we can't allow this to continue to happen. Yeah, we have yeah. to make changes. So. I would be a little bit surprised if he didn't make a change. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised um, if nothing happened the rest right. of the And you've talked about this. In this day and age, a lot of coaches just matriculate on their own too. Mm-hmm. That can happen. That that could happen. But when I talk about change, I'm talking about a force change by the leadership. Um, the matriculation is happening to you. You're not. Uh... <laughs> yeah. You're not doing this on your own necessarily. But these conversations are interesting, Parker, because – they're not all cut and dried. Right. There are guys that move on because they sense that they should move on. There are guys that move on because they're urged to move on. And there are guys that move on because they're told to move on. Yeah. Right. And there's, you know, there's just a, so it's all, it's not always, it's not always framed up perfectly. And usually it's not framed up at all for us. Right. Kind of got to figure it out on your own. That's typically, you just typically hear the, they're moving on or, you know, it's it's a, yeah. Um, And the interesting thing about that, well, one of the many interesting things about that is obviously I think Nebraska's had at least one full-time assistant uh, turnover every year since 2012 or something (laughs) like that. So in that regard, you're talking about three coaching staffs. Um, It's clearly not, I mean, look at the number of, 
um, staff jobs, head coaching and otherwise, coordinators and assistants mostly that are open right now. And you get a sense for why it doesn't always happen right when the season ends either. I mean, in 2000, so two, two off seasons ago, Mike Dawson left for the NFL, but that didn't happen until February. I mean, they hired Tony Tuioti like a week or so before spring ball started in February of 2019. And then last year, I think that Javon DeWitt announced he was moving. He had got the job at North Carolina. That was the first domino that fell there. And that was in, it was like around this time of year. I think it was like January 10th or so. Okay. Uh, Dawson was finalized coming back not that long after that. And then I think that the, um, I think that Troy Walters was like late January, around the 20th, mid to late, mid to second, you know, half of January. So it's definitely, I don't know. You're just sort of coming into the period of time over the next month, I guess, uh, where if stuff like that's going to happen, a lot of times it happens between January 1st and February 10th. So okay. to say. Well, um, we'll be so ready. Be on the lookout. I mean, who knows? It could, they could decide that they're on the right path and stand pretty much pat. But like you say, yeah. I mean, you just expect between a coach thinking that he needs to maybe make a change somewhere and then also just the fact that guys move around. I mean, a lot of these coaches, look at their resumes. I mean, a lot of them are nomads, basically. Um, and so you just happens at almost every school, almost every office. Yeah, and it's happening right now. I mean, there's hirings and guy, there's guys leaving and coming and going. This is when it happens. So A lot of matriculating. Yeah, there's, it is. There's a lot of that going around. All right, any hoops thoughts that you hoops. have, Parker? Hoops. It's a, it's a critical game to me that Nebraska has against Indiana on Sunday at 5 p.m. because it is a game that you would look at and say that's that's one on the schedule that they – I'm not going to say should be able to get, but it's it's more gettable than a lot of them. So in that sense, there's some urgency. They're, Nebraska is 0-4-7 and 0-4. And, and, um, and it's, you know – They've lost 21 straight Big Ten games. They're that that'll that'll wear on you. Not we it's feel, not these players have though. It's not like these players have. A few of them have, but the coaching staff. We feel good about that game happening as scheduled. Yes, we do. Yeah, we feel very good about it um, happening. They they uh, did not Nebraska. The men did not practice Wednesday. Um, I did see a report that they practice Thursday. I didn't know that. I, or, or that, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't positive about that. They didn't practice, excuse me. They didn't practice Wednesday. Right. Um, so I think they're back at it. They're back at it and they're playing. The game will transpire Sunday unless there's something that crops up late. And I'll tell you, Parker, in this world right now in college basketball, where earlier in the week, it was an average of nine games a day being canceled or postponed and you don't really count on anything until the day of the game yeah. but right now it looks like 5 p.m will be the 5 p.m tip off in lincoln against indiana against indiana and they had a game they had a game the reason we're talking about that is because they had a game postponed that was originally scheduled for tuesday for tuesday at purdue yeah. the big news being 
uh, Derek Walker for Nebraska, making his debut as a Nebraska player. That will happen, you know, assuming the game goes on Sunday. Yep, it's gonna be I, it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious um, about Derek Walker's impact, and I don't. I mean, I think it's. I think we should be careful, and 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 you have been. I think we have been in general about overstating, you know, what adding Derek Walker to the rotation probably gives you at least right away. But I do think like the the way that I I can see the impact showing up at least early on, depending on how many minutes he plays and all of that is just the, a big body, not only to rebound, but there's certain situations where, you know, a guy that can just set a good hard ball screen, get a guard going Absolutely. downhill, you know, toward the rim, um, a guy who can, you know, root out a, a post player or make run in the baseline off a screen, a little more unpleasant for a shooter on the other team, just to give you something to navigate through in the paint, I think is, you know, that, that can be, a big guy like that can, I guess, make a difference without getting 10 and eight. Right. I mean, just to yeah. do some of the little dirty stuff on the floor that even if you have guys like, like Teddy Allen will go in there and scrap, you know, and they've got guys, they have guards that are willing to go rebound, but it makes a difference. It makes a difference when you're 260 pounds. So, well, he's six, eight, 232. 230. There you go. Yeah. 230. That's big. He's a but big still, man. Yeah. He's big he's enough a, to he's go in a, there and bang yeah. around him. Yes, six eight two thirty two. He's not a, he's not enormous, and he's not. I hope people aren't expecting a. He's a below the rim player, but he, but Fred said he is their best finisher at the rim. Um, so that that could be helpful. Now you watch. You want to watch how he how well he plays the pick and roll game is a big thing these days, obviously, and how well he defends the pick and roll yeah. is is going to be important. Those two things are big. But you're absolutely right that his presence could be helpful, especially as a finisher, because as you know, Nebraska hasn't been a great shooting team. And that problem is exacerbated by the fact that teams can shade their defense outside because of Nebraska's lack of consistent inside scoring. So welcome back after, gosh, I mean, nearly, you know, 20 months or more, 22 months, guys have played almost two years. Welcome back. Here's Trace Jackson Davis for your first, uh, yeah, as you pointed out, yeah, as you said, as you sent me last night, Trace Jackson Davis, number two in the Ken Palm Player of the Year, National, National Player of the Year standings. Not Big Ten Player of the Year standings, although they might as well be yeah, big, right. the, the Big Ten Player of the Year standings because four of the top five guys in the National Player of the Year standings are from the Big Ten. Go ahead, Parker. Yeah, um, Garza, number one, Trace Jackson Davis, number two. And then I think um, Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. No, DeSumbu, yeah. number three. Yeah. Iowa Central from Timmy. Illinois, number three. Then Timmy from Gonzaga. And then uh, Hunter Dickinson, the freshman from Michigan. Who was That's the playing, one that caught my eye. Playing his butt off. Yeah, the, already considered in consideration for National Player of the Year. He's shooting 73% from the field. <laughs> You know, the question now, and I haven't heard much discussion about it, but is he a one-and-done type player? I saw – I was curious about that. I don't normally – NBA – I don't – like, I don't pay that close of attention to the NBA, just generally speaking. So, mm-hmm. NBA – I don't frequent uh, NBA mock drafts. But I checked one out from – I think it was Sam Vicente, 
um, today for that exact reason. I was curious what uh, if Hunter Dickinson was a draft pick, first round, whatever. I think they had him, he had him like early second at this point. Early yeah. second. Again, question will be: Can he defend? Particularly defend the pick and roll in the NBA. The NBA. I, I can tell you this, Parker, as the resident Hubie Brown. Yes. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of just back to the basket post play where you feed the wing and the wing waits three seconds for the for the big man to get open and then he just maneuvers. You don't see that. I mean, there's there's some of that, but you don't see it very often. It becomes a very much a pick and roll discussion, and I bet. I bet that Hunter Dickinson can run the pick and roll just fine. The question will be, can he defend the pick and roll in the NBA? Just like you were talking about with Derek Walker. And yeah, that's guys. a big part of it. And is he physical enough to defend the DeAndre Aytons and, uh, you know, the Rudy Gobert's, those just enormous human beings in that league that run the pick and roll pretty well? Um, how will it, you know, the Joker, you know? Yeah. Can you defend it's, the Joker? It's super Who's defending the Joker right now? I mean, who yeah. is anybody? The guy's having a monster year. See that shot he hit? Uh, did you see that shot he hit to tie the game and send it to overtime last night? No. Yeah, they, they had an inbound. Look, look at me. I sound like an NBA guy, even though I'm. I'm yeah, you are. I watched like five minutes of uh, the um, of Denver last night. Um, yes. Who are they playing? Uh, Utah, I think. Okay, good good Utah. matchup. Oh, no, no, no. They're playing Dallas. They're playing uh, Don, against Luka Doncic. Luka. So, uh, Doncic, pick and roll, hit uh, or pick and pop, found a guy that hit a three to put him up two uh, with like a second and a half left. Of course, um, the ball got advanced and they they threw it in. Um, they threw it in and he just took one dribble. It looked like he was playing horse. One dribble, long two, lofted it up, bottom, yeah. over time. He's having an MVP year. He's he, he and Steph Curry would probably be your MVP leaders right now. It's interesting. I was listening to – I don't remember the kid's name. Oh, uh, Wiseman, James Wiseman, the big guy that plays for the – rookie for the um, Warriors. And yeah. I saw a clip on Twitter the other day of Draymond Green, like two minutes of Draymond Green talking sort of like in-depth – uh, about why James Wiseman had handled the pick and roll better um, that night as compared to getting ripped up by Portland a few nights before that. It's super interesting. Yeah. It's, and it's see, not, it's not easy. No, it's not. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis back to the point, matter at hand, uh, Indiana, big guy, last three games, uh, overtime win against Penn state, win against Maryland, double overtime loss against Wisconsin last night, 21 and six, 22 and 15, 23 and 12. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be difficult. Now he'll be difficult enough. We'll see if Ivan way Drago's health is, allows him to play. We don't know that. Um, and that would be, now think about Derek Walker's first run at it uh, against a, a, a bona fide national player of the year candidate. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the big 10. And otherwise right, it would have come again. Otherwise it would have come again on Tuesday. It would have been uh, Travion Williams and that seven foot three guy that Purdue has. So. Right. And then after Illinois or after yeah. Indiana, it'll Kofi. be Kofi Coburn. Yeah. Who's yes. only seven foot. The, 
Big Ten's a monster. Did you, right, see what Illinois, did you see what Illinois fun. did? Yeah, did you see what Illinois did last night? No, what did they do? They were down by 15 at halftime to Northwestern. Yeah. And then the first 15 minutes of the second half, they outscored Northwestern 45 to 11. Oh, oh that's some explosion because Northwestern's <laughs> good. I mean, Northwestern was a top 25 team at one point. I don't know if they still are. They turned a 15-point deficit into a double-digit lead in eight minutes. Yes, that's they're explosive. They're explosive. They are explosive athletically. Yep. Well, it'll be interesting. We'll we'll hear from uh, Fred Hoiberg tomorrow, Saturday, um, and then game on Sunday, obviously, and then um, football. Like like you said before, it's just sort of a we'll we'll see what happens. You know, you expect some of those announcements to roll out uh, in the coming days. They'll all probably be wrapped up in the next ten days. Um, certainly could have action on that, you know, through the weekend. Um, and then we'll see what happens um, with the rest of it. If there's any, anybody incoming player wise, um, you know, transfer or, or recruit, uh, if there's any movement on the staff, all that, we'll have all of that for you. Oscaracher.com. All right, Parker. Thank you. Hey, thank you. <laughs> we'll even have Baz back at some point, but until yeah. then, Check HuskerExtra.com for all the latest, and thanks for watching.